technically that wasn't a 100 mile race. Welcome to episode three of the Ultra Ordinary Running Podcast. We are ordinary runners embarking on a journey to our first 100 mile ultra marathon at Havelina 100 in October 2016. I'm Christina and I am joined by Melissa and Angela. Hello, Tina. Hello. Um, so uh, we apologize for our brief hiatus, but we had a very good reason. Um, we were gone for a little while while uh, Melissa participated in Across the Years. And we will get to that in just a little bit. But I also want to say that we are going to be joined by Melissa's husband, Rob. Hi, Rob. Hello. Hello. So uh, both of these two have uh I guess participated in Across the Years, and Across the Years is the original fixed time multi-day running event celebrated um, celebrating the New Year. So runners have 24, 48, 72 hours, or six days to cover as much distance as possible, and each runner is free to walk, stop, eat, and sleep whenever they wish, but the clock is always running. Now, Rob, we'll start with you. Um, so what propelled you to do this particular race? Uh, so I have, uh, friends who have done this race before, so I knew a little bit about it and the timed format of the race where, you know, where there's a fixed time rather than a fixed distance is something that really appeals to me. Um, I did my first 50 miles at a, at an eight hour timed race. Um, and there's just something about the, the mental aspect of it, knowing that no matter how badly it goes, you're not going to be out there forever um, and, until you drag yourself across the finish line. It, it's just going to end when it ends. You know exactly when it's going to end. There's no uncertainty to it. Um, and for me, that's a lot easier mentally. So um, I, I like this format of race and um, I had been wanting to do a 100 mile race uh, at some point and it just didn't work out anytime this year. And I was like, well, you know, there's one more opportunity this year. I, I still might be able to do this. So um, that's what put it in my mind in the first place. Uh, I wasn't sure Melissa would go for it, but it uh, turns out that wasn't such a hard sell. This is interesting yeah. to hear because I actually had no idea that this was what was going through your mind. The conversation as it happened, we were driving to REI and he's like, so you want to go run across the years? <laughs> okay, I guess. <laughs> so I guess you weren't expecting me to be to agree to it so much. But we had uh your plan was since we have a child, Rob was going to run the 24-hour race on one day while I took care of our child and then I would run the 24-hour race on another day. Uh well, he yeah. took care of the child because the 24-hour people can choose any of the six days to do their event. So it, it kind of worked out that way for us logistically as well. So Rob, you started on December 29th. Now what made you, or what, what, yeah, what made you choose that day? Did it just logistically work out better that way? Yeah. Um, Melissa has a history of being in pretty, uh, <laughs> uh, bad place after, oh, yeah. after long races, uh, with lots of nausea and, um, Vomiting, Such. you can say it. Lots yeah. of vomiting. <laughs> so um, we didn't want her to have to watch Will while 
potentially being in that state. Uh, so we decided we wanted me to go first. Um, and the, uh, so that, you know, we had several options and, uh, it seemed like one of us should probably go on the 31st since that's kind of the, the big day, mm -hmm. kind of the whole point of the race mm -hmm. starting in 2015 and ending in 2016. Uh, so we chose her to do that day and I did two days before that. Um, and we left a day in between because I didn't want to start my childcare duties immediately after crossing the finish line. <laughs> Smart move. Right. Yeah. Now, did you always, did you always think about, okay, just the 24 hours or did you ever give any thought to, Hey, maybe I'll just do the 48 or the six days. No, not yet. The, the longest race I've done before now was a hundred K. Uh, so this was already quite a bit. Uh, beyond what I was familiar with, with what I was comfortable with, um, I didn't really want to push it. <laughs> now that seems funny to me that you say that because now you, when did you guys decide that you were going to do this race? It wasn't that long ago. Nope. Nope. It wasn't. It was like the first week of November or last week of October, not that long before yeah. the race. And we didn't register until like Thanksgiving, I think. Right. So now for both of you, training wise, what was it what was it like? Uh so we had kind of an unfortunately timed uh snowstorm here that yeah. uh came around Thanksgiving and there's basically been snow on the ground since Thanksgiving. Um so that's you know made getting in some long runs a little bit more difficult, uh, but ended up doing more running on pavement than what I usually do, uh, just because the pavement's a little bit clearer. Uh, and, you know, in some ways, I think that helped prepare me better for the race because mm -hmm. the race is, it's not on pavement, but it's on, you know, crushed rock, uh, but it's, you know, very flat surface. Mm -hmm. um, and we're doing the same, you know, 1.045 mile loop over and over and over again. Uh, so I did more training on uh, pavement than I usually do. I did more training on flat ground than what I usually do. Um, mm -hmm. I usually try to do, you know, at least a thousand feet of climbing every time I run. And I was uh, <laughs> doing, wow. you know, runs where I was doing a hundred feet of climbing instead. Now, is the course pretty flat? I mean, you're not, you're not climbing yeah. anything. It was no, extremely yeah. flat. flat. Uh, there was one hill. It gained about five or six feet in elevation. But you didn't Whoa. notice you didn't notice that for like the first twelve hours of the race. It only like popped up at you after you'd been running. Oh my and gosh. For, like... Yeah. For me, um, well, I spent a lot of time injured, like all of October injured, and I was just kind of coming back into being able to run right around the time we decided to do this in early November. So I went basically from zero miles per week to forty five which I don't mm -hmm. recommend, but it worked. My injury managed to stay away. And um, basically I really didn't do much training more than I would for a marathon. I mean, I didn't have time. So I ran like 45 mile weeks. I did three r runs that were 20 miles or longer. Um, and one of those long runs I did, like I started it at, I don't know, four or five o'clock in the evening. So it was dark. When I started and I did the whole run in the dark because with across the years, you've got 
I don't know, something like 13 hours of darkness that you're going to be running in. And I had never done anything like that before. Most of my runs are early in the morning, so it's dark when I start, but it gets light as I continue. Um, so I was nervous about the dark and I wanted to try that. Um, and I also did, there's kind of a, a really smooth trail area near our house. It's like a half a mile loop. And so I would run around there again and again and again, as much as eight miles at a time, just to try to feel what it would be like to run in a circle <laughs> for hours and hours. So I tried that also. Um, and it, it didn't go quite according to plan. I had just been wanting to do a, a nice, you know, steady, very slow run, you know, kind of roughly to approximate what this race would be like on this half mile loop. And I did literally every single lap of like, I did maybe eight miles and every single lap was faster than the previous one. Yeah, It, it was just like, you know, I, I wanted to get that run over with because it was so boring. Well, I didn't mind it, actually. I really didn't. And I, I listened to music when I was doing stuff like that. But I also would force myself to walk because I knew in a 24-hour race, I'm going to have to pace myself a lot differently than anything I'd ever done before. 50 miles was the longest run I'd ever done. Uh, and I didn't do timed or practiced walk breaks for that one. But for this um, not on all of my runs, but on a lot of my runs, I did try to take a walk like every mile or so. Then once we got that big snowstorm, I didn't time it as much. I just walked when I had to walk because the snow was so deep. But otherwise, I did try to at least practice what that would be like. Now, did you ever run just by miles, like my miles? Or did you go by, like, I'm going to go run for just three hours and see what I do? I still do miles just because that's how I'm wired. I don't know. You do time probably more than miles. Yeah, I, I kind of do neither, actually. I kind of just, I know that I want to go a certain direction, and then <laughs> I end up making a loop out of it somehow. And uh, at some point, you come back home. And it's <laughs> however many hours it is. Yeah, I guess that's kind of kind of how I am, too. It's like I'm, that, that night run, I knew I was, I wanted to go at least 20 miles. Um, yeah. however long it was going to take me, however farther yeah. I could get. So, so now I, I'm going to, I have a couple of questions. So just as you guys have been talking, I made a couple of, of notes. So for me to listen to you guys, and I know you both have much more experience running, um, than I do by far. And I, and I'm assuming that some people listening also, you know, same thing. We're hoping, you know, people that are listening right now, maybe, you know, they're new to this as well. So. Um, so if I go out on a, if I'm training and I have a long run, I, I know exactly where I'm going to go for that long run. Like I'm much more rigid about it, which we talked about before. The rest of my life is chaos, it seems like. But when I come to training, I'm like, okay, I have to know exactly where I'm going to go for my 20. Because if I just go out on a run and go, well, I'll go make a loop out of it. I'll go down to where it's like about three, four miles, turn around, I'm coming back. <laughs> you know, so if I know, hey, this is the loop, hey, I've got to go this far, I will. So uh, I guess, how how do you, um, it, it's just an interesting difference to me, I guess, in, in, I don't know if it's experience or if, if it's mental training or what it is that, that makes that difference. Yeah, maybe a Any bit thoughts? of a mental, I mean, um, I did kind of struggle on my nighttime 
21-ish mile run or whatever, just because I kind of ran out of places to run in this town. It's not that big. And I was like repeating places where I'd been before, but I never have really struggled with wanting to come back early or wanting to quit uh, before, you know, I met some or what I'd set out to do. Not too much. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, there was definitely a time when I was, you know, far more structured about it than what I am now. I, I think at this point, I, I know that I can do that sort of workout, but I'm really more interested in making it interesting. Um, and uh-huh. so the way I do that is I go interesting places or I, you know, I almost always try to make my runs into loops rather than out and backs. Um, yeah. um, so I'm, you know, always looking at something new. Um, and I, I think that, uh, helps a lot, you know, it, it keeps it interesting for me. Sure. Now, did, Melissa, oh, I was, I'm sorry. Did okay. you notice the difference between, um, like you, I remember when you went out on your night run here a while back, um, is there a, um, when you went to the race, was there a, a notable difference between that time of, okay, it's starting to get dark going from light to dark as compared to that next morning and you knew you still had however many hours to run and going from dark to light? Um, I guess. Or were you too exhausted by the time the sun came up that it didn't matter? <laughs> I was extremely anxious for the sun to come up and I was like, okay, when is that sun going to come up? <laughs> and it seemed like it took forever. Um, but the, I just, during the race itself, I just got myself into such a zone that I, like, I didn't think about it that much, but definitely by six o'clock the next morning, I was ready for the sunlight to come up. It still, it didn't come up till about seven thirty. So now, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's okay. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask about, um, if you, like both of you, did you have strategies on how you wanted to enter this race? Like strategies on tackling this this race, this event? I would be interested to hear what you say about this, Rob, given what happened at the race. Well, I <laughs> yes and no. Um, so uh, I, I wanted to run over 100 miles, um, which is not something I've ever done before. But, you know, lots of people that I know have done it. And, you know, everyone gives basically the same advice, which is to start out much slower than you think you need to start out. And so... Okay, what exactly does that mean? How does that apply to me? How slowly do I think I need to start out? And how much slower is much slower than that? Um, So those were questions that I was struggling with, and I didn't really have good answers for them. Uh, So I started the race faster than what I should have in retrospect. But I kind of knew at the time that it was a little bit faster than I should have been going. Uh, and the problem is, is that I was going as pace that was very comfortable for me. And it's like, you know, I'll be able to go this pace for a very long time, not 24 hours, but you know, seven to 10 hours, I could go that pace pretty easily. Um, and it's like, I don't really see the point in going slower than that. Um, of course I have since learned there is a point in going slower than that. Um, (laughs) And so that's, you know, something that I, I know for the next time I try something like this. Um, but, but you felt pretty good at that point, right? At the beginning, like when well, you were running? This? Yeah, I felt phenomenal early in the race yeah. uh, because I was running at a very easy pace. And, oh. you know, I was 
uh, I had my heart rate monitor and my heart rate was just ridiculously low. Um, I was not exerting much energy at all. Um, you know, the beginning of the race went very, very smoothly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I knew that I wasn't heeding the advice that every single person I've talked to gave me, but I kind of feel like I needed to not heed their advice to know exactly <laughs> yeah. to, to, you know, to fully comprehend why I needed to heed their advice. Well, also, you can't know what that pace is for you, like you said, this slow, comfortable pace, unless you have tried it. And, you know, you've never done anything like that before, so you didn't know what that was. But I will say, like, are we switching to talk about your race now? Because I I was kind of nervous as a spectator, crew, whatever you call me, watching you come through every mile and a half or every mile or whatever it was. Um so quickly because I knew you had started out on an extremely aggressive pace. And I thought either you have a phenomenal goal that you have not shared with me and I don't know what it is, or this is going to be a catastrophic blow up in a little while. And I was really (laughs) nervous about what was going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, I I think what actually happened was probably somewhere in between that. Um, I mean, I definitely did blow up, but I, I I don't, not that bad. It wasn't catastrophic. So um, you hit 50 miles before eight hours. It was like, wasn't it right before eight hours? Yeah. So it was uh, seven hours and 56 minutes. Okay. So that was when you got to 50 miles. And then that was the first time you stopped, right? Yeah. You hadn't taken, I don't think you'd taken Ooh. any walk breaks or done anything. And at that point, um, you sat down in the chair and foam rolled or something and then put on some warmer clothes because it was getting cold out. Right. I think that was a turning point in your race where things changed. Yeah, that's definitely where things changed. Um, And again, in retrospect, um, you know, the pace that I was going was a comfortable pace for me to be running, um, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the right pace for me to be averaging. Uh, So what I think that means is that I should have been running at that pace and then walking every so often. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would slow down my average, but I know I'd still be running at that comfortable pace. Uh, when in fact I didn't walk a single step of the first 50 miles and that was a really bad idea. <laughs> I should have walked more the first 50 miles. Yeah, <laughs> But so, you were in the groove. Yeah, you were, you were totally in the zone. Every time you came yeah. past that tent, like there was not even any facial recognition that you, you knew who I was. You were just totally in the zone for that first 50 miles. Yeah, it was it was definitely a, a kind of a weird uh, experience. Uh, the time just absolutely flew by. Yeah. Um, now, I, were you thinking about like slowing down or are you just, just going? I mean, what's going through your head? Well, so early on, I saw my pace and I was like, mm, that's probably a little bit too fast. Um, and so I decided, all right, I'm going to slow down a little bit. And every time I made a concerted effort to slow down, I ended up speeding up instead. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but... I need to try that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at some point I decided, you know, I should probably stop trying to slow down because it's not working out for me. Um uh, the again, the better way for me to handle that would have been to walk more instead of trying to adjust my pace, my running pace. Mm-hmm. So, are you going to tell us like what happened in the rest of the race for you? Right. So I covered yeah. you know fifty miles in that first eight hours, and this was around the time the sun was going down, 
And it was getting cold. Oh, um, yeah. This is the other thing. Phoenix was frigid that week. It was miserably cold. <laughs> so I put on... Uh, now, did you know this prior to going that it was going to get pretty cold? Did you... I mean, did you go in preparation with it? Well, yes and no. Uh, so we saw the forecast and... Excuse me. Uh, the, the day that I was supposed to race, the forecast low temperature was 38 degrees and you know it was eight degrees here and i had been running in this weather i'm like you know 38 that's nothing um but you know i'll still bring some pants because i'm gonna want pants and i'll bring you know a light jacket and if all else fails you know i'll have my you know my winter coat there but it's not gonna need that obviously <laughs> um, and it turns out that 38 degrees you know when you walk out your door is very different than 38 degrees when you've been running for 10 hours. Mm. Mm. I also uh, think it was significantly colder than 38 degrees. Yeah, and it got it down to the 20s. Frost. Yeah, it was a hard frost. Somebody said it got down to 22 that night. Yeah, all my water Ooh. bottles froze. Yeah. So fro the water bottles froze inside the tent where I was trying to sleep. Like, that's how cold it was. Oh. Yes. Wow. So the extreme cold was something that... Uh, was definitely far harsher when it was going on than what I was expecting. Um, and, you know, looking back on it, of all the things that could have gone wrong, I mean, that's really the one that, that got me the most. The the, mm -hmm. the extreme cold uh, was harder for me than anything else. How uh, warm had it been during the day? It got up to the high 50s. Um, it never felt that warm, though. As a well, as a spectator, as someone just sitting there, I mean, I kept my coat on all day, just sitting out, because it never like warmed up that much during the daytime. Wow! Wow! So, Rob, you said you came in at fifty fifty miles. So you'd been out there for eight hours. You came in, sat down, foam rolled, and then you went right. You so got clothes it, it on, was went back cold. out, so then. Yeah, I was getting cold. I put some clothes on. I realized, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit tired. Um, so I hadn't walked at all. I decided, you know, I'm going to do some walking. Uh, and I walked a full lap and came back to the tent. And uh, I was really cold at that point. So I put on even warmer clothes. And I walked another lap trying to, to warm up a little bit. Um, and then I think I put on my pants in a big jacket. Mm -hmm. um, I was eating a bunch of food this whole time. Uh, and, you know, after uh, three laps of walking, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll start mixing this up a little bit. And, uh, you know, the early 50 miles were a little bit rough on me. I sort of came back a little bit in the, you know, in the upper 50s. And then the early 60s were really rough for me again. And then sort of came back. And then the early 70s were really rough. And then I sort of came back. And by that point, it, it had kind of... Um, you know, things had bottomed out and we're at kind of a steady state at that point where, um, you know, I knew that I needed to walk and I knew that I needed to run a little bit and I kind of knew what pace I was able to go um, and how I needed to split up the running and walking. And things started to go a little bit more smoothly um, after mile 80. Uh, so it took me uh, another eight hours to do the next 30 miles. Uh, so I had slowed down a lot. Um, and it was, you know, the middle of the night at this point, um, in the, 
the thing that I was most concerned about in all of this was actually just being able to stay awake uh, for the yeah. entire 24 hour period. Uh, but it turns out that wasn't really a problem for me. Uh, I never got too sleepy and, uh, you know, I stayed awake the whole time. Yeah. What did you uh, fuel with? Did, did, did your fueling, you know, change from the first half of the race to the second half of the race? And how did that, it you did, know, how did that help? Yeah, it did a little bit. So mm-hmm. um, in the first third of the race, I was drinking Tailwind from a, you know, a little six ounce flask that I was carrying with me um, and it could just fill it up every, uh, every couple laps. And I would eat uh, some cliff shot blocks. Uh, usually one every mile or sometimes I would skip a mile, but usually about one every mile, um, which is a strategy I've used in, you know, other ultras in the past couple of years. And it's worked out really well for me. Uh, so fueling was going well. I never was hungry, um, which is, you know, good. Sometimes in the last little bit of a race, you know, your stomach starts to turn a little bit, you stop eating and then you get Mm -hmm. really hungry. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I was eating the whole time. I never got really hungry. Uh, I never felt nauseous. Um, so, uh, you know, fueling was something that definitely could have gone very, very wrong. But, you know, I had no problems with it in this particular race. That's good. Now, what goes through your mind, though? I mean, that's that's one aspect I'm just... Uh, just intrigued by like what are you thinking like what goes through your what floats through your head and when you're you know at midnight or 2 a.m or 3 a.m so uh, you know by that point it was mostly just a you know what can i do to make this hurt less um type of thing because <laughs> uh, i knew i still had several hours left i knew i was going to keep going um and lots of things were hurting at that point um and so you know when it, when i was running you know, my knees hurt and my hip flexors were hurting. Uh, and so after a while, you know, I'd stop and walk to, and, you know, my knees would feel a little bit better. My hips would feel a little bit better. And then my, uh, you know, my ankles were hurting while I was walking. So when, you know, oh. once that flared up, I was like, well, I have to start running again. Um, so I, I think that I actually ended up running more in the last third of the race not really uh-huh. because I had a strong desire to run, but because walking hurt just as bad as running did. <laughs> so you might as well run. <laughs> might as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now, Melissa, uh-huh. let's switch gears a little bit with you. Now, did you have any strategies going into this race? Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I was really unprepared for it. Like I said, I've only ever run 50 miles as my farthest distance. And I had no idea what I was going to be capable of. Um, my kind of outside goal or thought was I'd like to run a hundred K possibly 80 miles might be my upper limit of what I could do. Um, but I, I really, I never had the goal of 100 miles, like apparently Rob did and a lot of people do for this race. I didn't think, especially given my really lack of training, I didn't think that was something I, I would shoot for. 
So you just kind of went in blindly, like, let me just see what I do. I really did. Yeah. And somewhere on the website too, it, it says, you know, what's the best way to train for across the years? Well, run it. And then you have an idea of what to do next time because <laughs> it, you, you can't know. I mean, I had no idea how my body was going to handle 24 hours and I was worried about the sleep, getting sleepy. I was worried about running in the dark um, for 13 hours. Uh, so I had no idea and just you know, wanted to try to have fun. Now you were hauling pretty well. I mean, at what point did you realize, hey, I could actually reach a hundred miles? <laughs> well, um, I mean, I, I never really counted on that. I just kind of, like, so Rob had run the race, you know, the day before, and I guess, should we say he finished with, what was your total? It was 112.33 miles. 112.33 miles was his final. I was, <laughs> I was there from, he reached a hundred miles at 545 in the morning and I was actually freezing to death in the tent. And I realized I had my phone. I could look up his pace and his results on my phone so I could kind of get an idea of where he was and I saw he was coming up to 100 so I went out there at 545 and was there when he got to 100 miles and I kind of assumed he would just stop at that point but he what you said something like you gotta keep going till you get the you job done you stay until the job's done you stay until the job's uh -huh. done that's probably a movie quote from something it is okay sorry I don't know what it is Brad Pitt and Snatch Okay. All right. Oh. Okay. Anyway, he's quoting Brad Pitt at five in the morning after running a hundred miles and he kept going he ran another 12 miles, which just completely blew my mind. Like I, he is an amazing ultra runner an amazing athlete. Most of the time I kind of have a dim idea of how he does the things he does, but this was just like, I couldn't even fathom how he did this, uh, after all of that. And I, you know, after he finished, I had, it was kind of both a blessing and a curse, I guess, that he went first and I got to see this whole thing because it was kind of horrifying to watch what he had gone through <laughs> to get this far. But yet then also I could say, what would you have done differently? What do you like, what would you advise me to do? And he said, you know, start out much slower than you think you're going to need to go at a pace that you think you can go for a really long time. So that was what I did. I started out running like about 12 minute miles. Um, and I felt like, so a hundred mile pace for 24 hours is 1420. And I was like, you know, this is, I'm running faster than a hundred mile pace and a hundred mile is not my goal. Like I need to slow down, but it was kind of like what Rob said. I really couldn't run any slower than that. And it felt weird. It kind of hurt. I actually had some weird pain in the first five miles where stuff just didn't feel right going that pace. So I decided to walk every single mile. Um, and I actually ran a little bit faster during the parts that I was running. And again, I don't know what pace I was going cause I didn't wear a watch, but I just like ran at a pace that felt comfortable. And then there's one little stretch of the course that is asphalt pavement. The rest of it is dirt. Um, but that little, pavement section of the course was the area where I said, I'm going to walk every single time. And I did from about mile five on, and it worked really well for me because running at this very slow pace, like I was just using the same muscles all the time. And I was taking these really short strides to keep that 
slow pace and my quads, I mean, seriously, by mile 12, my quads were completely trashed. And this is not where you want to be in a 24-hour race. So during these sections, when I would walk, I would take these gigantic steps and I must have looked like an idiot and I was probably wasting energy and like being really inefficient, but it just felt really good to stretch out my quads that way and use different muscles. So I did that. And then the really great thing about Aravipa running or Aravipa, however you say their name is, um, they have amazing food at the aid station. We're like vegan plant-based and they have vegan options at the aid station. And, you know, I don't think Rob really used the aid station as much as I did, but starting about mile five, I seriously went into that aid station, which is at the start finish area. And I took something every single time. And often it wasn't very much. I mean, it was like a couple of orange slices, but I think this helped me enormously because, you know, like Rob said, I tend to get very sick and I struggle a lot with nausea and vomiting during ultras. And I think, you know, this event showed me it's because I get too depleted and I go too long without eating and drinking. But at across the years, you know, I was eating and drinking every single mile. I, I really never had nausea or stomach issues. I got a little queasy at some point during the race, but it, it wasn't serious and it passed. So I think, um, you know, eating something every mile really helped. And, you know, for the most part, I stuck to orange slices and things like that. But at certain points in the day, like they brought out actual meals because there are people who are doing a six-day race. I mean, they need something more than shot blocks and orange slices. So they would bring out vegan burritos. They brought out vegan um, chickpea salad sandwiches. They had, they actually had pasta with like marinara sauce. They had French toast. They had just amazing kind of stuff to eat. And I did, um, I didn't eat a whole lot of solid food in the early part of the race, but I did when my, my, my thought was whenever they bring out something like that, I'm going to take it. And if I don't want to eat it right at that point, I'm going to leave it at our tent that I pass every mile and I'll take a little bite every time I go past. Um, and that worked really well for me. That strategy was good. So that's kind of, so you could have, you could have ideally just taken a little nap during this time, right? Cause people can do that. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people do that. I mean, it was actually pretty deserted at nighttime. Uh, I mean, there were still people out there, but it was, you know, a, a small fraction of what was there during the day. Um, you know, this is, basically kind of a, you know, a rectangular course. And, you know, there were times where I would turn a corner and I literally wouldn't see another person on that straightaway. Hmm. My, my race wasn't quite as deserted as yours. Cause I was, I was the big dance. I was the day that everybody mm. wants to run it. And the day that, you know, the, a lot of 24 hour people run it. So there were more of us going that day. It was never quite as deserted as that for me, but certainly, I mean, the people who are out there for six days, they're going to go to sleep in their campers at some point. So, you know, they, some of them sleep at night, some of them sleep a couple hours here and there. Um, yeah, definitely. So you retreat to your tent. Do you have like, how do they mark your, your laps? Do you have like a chip? Yeah, we, we wore a, I think they called it a transponder on the ankle. It was just like this little kind of like a chip that you wear on your ankle. And it was really cool. Every time you cross the timing mat at the start and finish area, they had a big screen right there too, which was maybe where you guys were able to watch the mm-hmm. ultra, the webcast or whatever it was. There was a big screen there. And as soon as you went across the mat, 
your name showed up on the screen and it said what your pace was for that last lap, how many laps you'd done total. Um, I think maybe kilometers too or something like that. So that's why I didn't, I didn't wear a watch because I just relied on looking at the screen. Now for on my day, there were a couple of hiccups and it didn't work the whole time. So there was like a five mile stretch where I didn't get any data from that. But for the most part, it was super reliable and I didn't need a watch. So is there a place where you can like enter and exit the tenting like area, the tent area so that you're not counted twice? I mean, I'm not sure if that would happen, but. Well, the tents are just set up all like there's this area of the course right by the start finish area where the tents, everybody sets up their tent. So if you just want to stop at your tent, you stop at your tent and then when you're ready to go again, you just step back on the course. Yeah, so they allow you to leave the course anytime you want, but you have to get back on the course at the exact place where you left it. And certainly some of the multi-day people, they actually like got in a vehicle and left. Like if they were, so some people were injured and like went to go see a doctor or like somebody went to CVS to go get some band-aids or something. I don't know. Oh, whatever. seriously? So yeah, like people, you know, definitely leave the course. I don't think, and there were like even some 24 hour people, like goals are extremely different. There are people who sign up for the 24 hour race and want to run a marathon and they'll like run a little bit in the morning. And if they live locally, go home and then come back later and run a little bit more. There were, there were some teenagers who did that, uh, on my day in the race. So. How fun, because I'm I'm now seriously considering this race. I mean, that's another reason why I love timed events, because there's no way you can fail. Like, it's not like it's a certain distance. And if you don't make that distance, you have DNF'd. Like, it's, you know, you maybe decide you're only going to run 20 miles or whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, but you still have participated in the event and you still, you know, get your finishing mileage. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so you're running New Year's Eve into New Year's Day, Melissa. Yeah. So what what happens at midnight? Um, let's see. So I I have trouble remembering the timeline of this. Like I actually <laughs> I felt pretty good for most of the day with my walk breaks and my eating strategy and I kept up a pretty decent pace for a long time. I hit 50 miles right around 10 hours, just a little bit under 10 hours. And I felt great. Like I have never felt that great after running 50 miles. And I, I, you know, kind of kept going at roughly that same pace. And I hit a hundred K, which was my like really lowest goal. Um, I don't, do you remember what time I got there? I don't. It was like 13 hours or maybe 12 and a half, which is just un, I couldn't even believe that I could run a hundred K at that (laughs) that fast, but I, you know, I felt good. I just kind of kept going and it was probably, I was probably around 70 miles by like 1130 or something. That's around the point when you, you slow down a lot. So I had been asleep in the tent and I got up and I saw Melissa. Um, and let me preface this by saying, uh, going into this, Melissa was saying that she, you know, she wanted to cover a hundred K or maybe 80 miles. And I'm like, please, like I, I have, there's no doubt in my mind that Melissa can do a hundred miles in 24 hours. There was no doubt in my mind whatsoever. Mile? You thought I could do a hundred miles? Yeah. And miles? So, yeah. Yeah. And so she had been, you know, you know, downplaying it. And I'm like, well, the only 
doubt about whether this will happen is whether she actually wants to. Um, and so I saw her at 11.30 p.m. and she had gone 70 miles. And, and I felt all she says to me was, um, you know, what pace do I have to go to cover 30 miles in the next nine, nine and a half hours? And I'm like, all right, she's going to do it. <laughs> Like mm -hmm. I, I knew that it was going to happen then. It was just a matter of getting it done. And so, you know, we basically figured out, you know, she needed to maintain like 19 minute pace, um, you know, the rest of the time. So she could you know, basically walk the entire thing as long as it was brisk. So, yeah, this was my thing. I mean, I had never run farther than 50 miles. I didn't know what was going to happen. And watching Rob's race and everybody else struggle in the cold, I had thought, okay, you know, maybe I can just run 50 miles and whatever time that is that I hit 50 miles, then I can just walk the rest of the time. But what we found out was it was so cold. You really couldn't rely on that strategy. And that is the one other thing that Rob said to me. He said, don't trash your legs in the first eight hours because you are absolutely going to have to run during the night just to keep yourself warm. And this was the thing I was kind of worried about. So I actually, you know, Rob had started getting cold pretty early, like by 5 p.m. It was 11.30 p.m. and I was still in short sleeves, I think, definitely in shorts. And I felt hot because I'd still been running 12-minute miles. And once I, you know, I was starting to feel kind of like, at that point, I hadn't been able to eat very much for about 10 miles. Like it was starting to wear on me. And I was like, okay, I know I can get to 70. I don't know what's going to happen after that. And once I, I hit 70, they had some real food out at the aid station. It was pasta with vegan meatballs and marinara sauce. And so I hadn't eaten anything for a while. And I thought, okay, this will be a good time. I'll take this and I'll walk an entire lap and I'll just eat this until I feel better. And so I did that, but I, I couldn't really eat it that well. I did eat some of it. And then I got so cold while I was walking and I was like, I can't, I'm going to have to run, keep running somehow. So that was about midnight. I mean, I still felt okay. I put on some warm clothes. Um, I think there was kind of a big party at the start finish area around midnight, but I wasn't, I heard kazoos. You heard kazoos. So yeah, big party <laughs> kazoos. Um, I had gone past that area and I was at the half mile section there, there, so there was also a timing mat at the half mile section and there was an aid station there too. It was just water. And I have to say there was a guy who worked there from nine in the morning until 1am. He did, what is that? Like a 16 hour shift. I think his name was Ron and he was amazing because I started out the race wearing a Wonder Woman singlet and mm -hmm. every single time. I passed for 16 hours. He cheered, go Wonder Woman. I mean, he just, he was so amazing and kept my spirits going. And <laughs> I started, like, I was actually kind of happy because at midnight, like right at midnight, I was at that aid station and I gave Ron a hug and I was just like so happy to be with him at New Year's. And by that point, I mean, for me, the race had not been super social in the daytime, like the multi-day people seemed to have their little groups that they were walking in. The 24-hour people were kind of just running. And I felt like we weren't, or at least I wasn't really socializing as much um, with the other runners until it got dark, until midnight. And then at midnight, everybody, we were just all saying, Happy New Year. And it was pretty nice. And there was this section of the course 
where um, you could see palm trees in the distance. And of course it was dark, but they were lighting off fireworks at midnight. And so you could see fireworks and palm trees at midnight. And I was like, okay, you know, um, I don't feel great. I still feel pretty good, but I'm looking at palm trees and fireworks. This is okay. And even like, Mm. so all throughout the race, and I do this in ultras a lot. I always go over my assets. I don't know. I, my, one of my favorite authors is Barbara Kingsolver and in the book, the Poisonwood Bible, the characters like go through some tragedy or they're trying to survive and they list their assets. Okay. So what do we have to survive? And so I always do this in an ultra. What are my assets? Okay. One, I'm at sea level. I live, I live at high elevation. Like this is sea level. This is good. I've got oxygen. What's another asset? My injuries don't hurt. I came into this injured, but they feel fine. What's another asset? I'm not nauseous. This is great news. I'm usually throwing up by this point in an ultra. So I kept like kind of going over my assets and trying to stay positive. Um, but I really, I wasn't counting on a hundred miles, even when I asked Rob to calculate the pace for me and see how, just kind of see if it was possible because I still knew, you know, it's only midnight. There's still nine hours left. Anything could happen. 30 miles is still a long way to go if, you know, some injury occurs or something happens. So I did from that point on, I walked a lot more. Um, I still, I mean, I felt okay. I was just, I don't think I ever did anything faster than a 15 minute mile after that point. And most of my miles were like 16 or 17 minutes and probably getting close to the eighties, mile eighties, I was starting to feel even worse. Um, and there had been this woman running, or she was walking actually ahead of me for an entire lap. And I was running, but she was still ahead of me, even though she was walking. And I'm like, this is stupid. And so I just caught up with her and I walked with her for about two laps. Um, and that just like walking that I got really cold. We were walking fast enough that we kind of kept warm um, and kept each other going. And after that, you know, I only had 20 miles left and I don't even remember what the time was at that point, but I was like, okay, 20 miles. Um, this is, this could happen. Like I might be able to make a hundred in whatever time is left. But then, you know, Rob said he had been worried about the sleepiness and that was mm-hmm. something I'd been worried about too. I had actually, I'd been taking caffeine. I've been chewing run gum. It's this, it's gum, but it has caffeine in it. I've been chewing Mm. that during the race and like keeping myself feeling pretty good. Uh, But it starting probably around mile 88, the wheels really fell off. And I don't know what time that was, but I just, I felt like a zombie. I couldn't stay awake. My eye, like I couldn't keep my eyes open. It was, Mm. it actually, it was pretty scary because I kept thinking like, I'm okay because I'm on this super safe, flat paved or, you know, flat gravel trail where there's an aid station every mile, like nothing really bad is going to happen to me, but it made me feel really scared for any other type of event where it would be like on a more rugged trail where you might fall off the side of a mountain or something. Cause I really had, I've never felt this way before. I had very little control over my body. I was weaving like everything. I could see wavy lines, like I had a lot of trouble staying awake and I kept taking more and more and more caffeine. I even drank, I drank two cups of coffee at the aid station, but 
like nothing would keep me awake. And it was like the darkest point of the ultra for me. I think that I fell asleep in a porta potty. (laughs) (laughs) I was like somewhere in the mile nineties, you know, I drank this coffee. So I had to go to the bathroom. I went in the porta potty and I remember like hitting the side of my head on the porta potty or like inside as I was like falling over on the inside. I was like, this is a new low point for me falling asleep in a porta potty. <laughs> and I was, I should say also by that point, I mean, it was so cold. I was wearing my winter coat, like my winter, winter coat. And the, I was mostly walking by then. Like I was probably maintaining, trying to maintain about 17 minute miles, but some of them were slower than that. Um, it was, it was pretty difficult to keep warm. So, you know, it was those last 12 miles were really hard for me. And I have to say, I thought of you two so much during that time. I was thinking of our conversations and just thinking, I couldn't believe what I was doing out there and how this was going to (laughs) happen. We were so proud of you. Oh, thank you. We are. Yeah. It was a lot of fun watching. I watched, um, watched Rob on the feed. I, I spent a lot of time at work watching Rob. <laughs> yeah. That was work-related. Work I mean. Work-related. I have two screens, so it was okay. I worked on one and watched on the other, you know. But um, And then we watched, we had it, we had friends over on New Year's Eve, and I had, we have our computer hooked up to our TV, so I've got the feed up on the TV in the living room, <laughs> and, you know, we're sitting, I'm like, oh, there's Melissa. There's my friend. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, I could definitely feel it. Like I could feel the energy of everybody who had wished me good luck or who was thinking of me or things like that. Um, it did get very hard in the morning. I mean, by like five in the morning, six in the morning, I just was having so much trouble staying awake and I just wanted the sun to come up so badly. And I had made myself a playlist to listen to specifically for this race, but I stupidly like didn't sync it with Rob's iPod. I thought it was going to do that automatically, but it didn't. So it was only on my phone and my phone froze and it wouldn't do anything. So like I, I kind of kept my cool about that and I was like, okay, you know, so I don't have this playlist. I'm just, I'm going to keep rolling, but it did kind of bum me out a little bit. And after the race, I like had this moment where I got really upset about it. Like if I had just had that playlist, I might have been able to make it through. <laughs> so it was tough. And yeah, like I, I think it was, uh, it was like mile 97, mile 97. I came through and by then Rob and Will are awake and they're outside of the tent and I had something like two hours left at that point. I don't know. I mean, it was like a long time. I wasn't trying, like struggling to come in to a hundred miles at the, you know, very tail end. So like, I knew I could make it if I could just stay upright, but it was so hard. And finally I got to the, the last mile when I got to the tent and I only had one more lap to do. Rob said, do you want me to come with you or do you want to do this alone? And I was just, I was sobbing and I said, I want you to come with me. So you could, 
know, they they did kind of limit spectators being on the course just because they can't have every single person out there have somebody with them at all times. It would be too crowded. But Rob was able to check out a guest bib and he walked with me for that last mile. And I think I, I had trouble keeping up. Yeah, you told me that was the hardest thing because I, I walked like an 18-minute mile and, you know, he had just run 112 the day before. So that 18-minute mile was hard for him. But, you know, there is crying in ultras. I was just absolutely <laughs> sobbing that whole lap in my winter coat. And I didn't even attempt to run across the finish line. I just walked across the, you know, across the mats once I got to 100 and was done. Done, done, done. And did the thought did the thought ever occur to you that, well, yeah, I'm at 100, but I still have, because you still had, what, a, a couple hours left that, in your 24 hours, right? Or I had, hour I think, one hour left, one hour and two minutes left. No, I told Rob, I'm done. I'm not doing any more. No more. <clears throat> done, 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 done. I needed, my stomach was queasy by that point. I mean, I wasn't super sick, but I was done. And also, like, I don't know, I guess... Our son, Will, got kind of freaked out when Rob left to go walk with me. He was, Will was just chilling out at the tent, playing, and then he looked up and realized, where's Daddy? And so Aww. as I rounded the corner to come into this finishing straight, I see my six-year-old son sobbing, saying, Daddy! <laughs> so I was like, we were trying trying to cheer him up and you know reassure him everything was okay and he have him cross the finish line with us, but he wasn't super interested in that. He did calm down right after that, though, so he was okay. But, yeah, I just – I went into the warming tent and tried to get warm after that and then just went back to our tent that we had set up, and I just laid down. And I don't know if I really fell asleep, but I just – I had to lay down. I couldn't stay on my feet anymore. So Okay, so the question for both of you, would you do this again? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I would do across the years again. Nice. Would you do it for longer than 24 hours? No. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know how those multi-day people did it because the most miserable thing, far more miserable than trying to cover 100 miles or do that run in the night was trying to sleep in the tent at night because at least while I was out there moving, I was warmer than when I was in the tent in our sleeping bag that's supposed to be, you know, super good for minus 20 degrees or whatever it is. I mean, I froze. I felt like I was on Mount Everest needing a rescue inside that tent. And we actually, the night before my race, we went to a Motel 6 and stayed overnight because I was like, I cannot sleep in 22 degrees again and get up and run in the morning because I hadn't been able to sleep for about two days or I mean two nights. And I, we went to a motel and and got some sleep that night and, and stayed warm before my race. And then we left afterwards. So I don't know how those multi-day people, you know, when they're going to take a rest or take a sleep, they just go to their tent, but their tent is freezing cold. I don't know how they do it. Wow. Wow. Well, you guys did amazing. I mean, you guys did so awesome. Oh, thank you. So awesome. Definitely couldn't have done it without you two. <laughs> and without everybody's support that sent messages and nice thoughts. Aww. Thank you. Yeah, and Yay. how great that you guys had each other to do it. 
together. I mean, to have each other's support there as a husband and wife, that's pretty special. Yeah, I kind of wonder if we're the only people who did that and traded off childcare. Now, there was a couple, a husband and wife, who had an eight-month-old infant, and they each ran the 24-hour, or they participated in the 24-hour event, and they had the infant, like, in a carrier that they wore. <laughs> they kind of traded off who was wearing the baby and who <gasps> and the person wearing I the baby. I saw them. Did you? They, that On was the cool. Scene, yeah. It's like, I guess we're not the only people here with a child doing this. <laughs> and how did Will do? He how did he great. He was, you know, he really didn't get cold at night. He, he's just is a hot body and he was fine at night. And I tried to snuggle up next to him to keep warm but he was fine and it was really like family friendly child friendly because it was just this big open field to play in and there weren't actually a ton of other kids there that he played with but he you know entertained himself and he made friends with this guy frank whose son was doing the six-day event and frank was doing the six-day event as well and every time frank walked by our tent he stopped and talked to will and they just became best buddies um, and that was really special for Will, I think, to be able to, to, to meet a friend there. So he did good. Oh, that's sweet. He looks so cute with his, uh, Star Wars outfit. Yeah. He had to bring a Star Wars outfit with him. <laughs> we limited him to one lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. I think, uh, is this pretty much wrapped up? I think so. Okay, so next up we have uh, races. Yeah, right. You've got a race. I've got a race in uh, next, not this Saturday, the the sixteenth, January sixteenth. So yeah, fifty miles. You know, I don't think I'll hit the eight hours like like Rob did, but um, well, a few of us can. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully. Hopefully I can channel that same mentality of, I want to slow down. Maybe I'll speed up. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Reverse psychology. Exactly. Exactly. So Rob, what race do you have next? Do you have anything lined up? I have absolutely nothing planned. And that's the last thing I want to think about at this point. Yeah, you've had some trouble recovering. Rob, um, he got sick. I was like a cold or a sinus infection. He's actually been in worse shape, I think, than I have recovering. Um, I suppose I'll get the cold next though. So, well, yeah, since this is sort of race related, I'll just mention that the drive home was actually worse than the race was. Yeah. It was a tough <gasps> one. Cause oh, neither God. of us were actually like good to drive. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I was sick and then I was having, you know, these hip flexor pains and sitting in a car for a day and a half with my hip oh. in the exact same position, not yeah. stretched out was just terrible. So my hip hurts worse now than it did after the race. Oh, are you doing a lot of stretching now or foam rolling and all of that? Not as much as I should be. Rob does this thing, which I think is really good. He does like an active recovery. He walks after a big event like this. He walks every day and not just like a tiny little walk around the block, like a nice walk. Yesterday, I think he walked two miles. Um, but I think that really helps him recover. Of course, we're a little bit limited now because we've got ice and snow on the ground so that makes it hard but i think that's a good way to recover i think you've got more snow coming oh god do we well it's snowing (laughs) it's supposed to snow here so usually whatever i get you get 
24, 48 oh, hours later. So try to yeah. send it the other way. <laughs> I'll try and send it south. Yeah. Send it to Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice. And Angela, you have a next race coming up? Uh, you know, I, I don't have an, anything really official yet. I mean, the, okay. the Sufferfest is first weekend in March, but that's, that's out of ways and it's super busy time at work. So I'll be limited on how many miles I can do. So for now, it's just training and strength time for me. Okay, very nice. And Melissa, are you now looking at uh, your next race? Well, this morning at 8 a.m., when registration opened for the North Fork 50, I registered for it. It's a 50-mile race that Angela's going to do with me. <laughs> I am going to do. Yeah. I am going to do. I'm going to register this yeah. weekend. In June. And I, I, I've I, been told registration does go fairly quickly. So if, if you're thinking you're going to do it, I'd get your name in there uh, sooner rather than later. But um yeah, I I have not registered for the big the big one yet. Havelina hundred. Yes, it's too yes. soon. Well, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Registration opened while you were running. I know, and I thought Havelina. of that. I, I thought of that. I was like, should I, you know, pull off to the side and ask to use one of the race officials' computers to <laughs> register for it? I'm in a pretty good group. I guess I'll keep going. So maybe they would have had on-site registration. Would they have that? I don't know. I didn't ask. And then, you know, the pain quickly set in and that was far, far, far from my mind. So I hope registration hasn't filled yet. I hope hope that I am able to contemplate that at some point in the near future. You will. I I actually have registered. Yay. Yes. Yes. I said, if I don't, if I don't do it now, I, I probably will convince myself otherwise so I said you know what I gotta do it I want to do it so I did it good for you yeah congratulations thank you thank you now my only goal is just to beat the time that uh, that uh, ultra sign up assigns to me that's my goal (laughs) they assign you a time yeah you know they put those estimated times in I didn't know that yeah yeah, yeah, your target time. I'm like, no. But just so you know, there's about 65 registrants for the 100 miler right now, as of this time. How many is the maximum? Oh well, I think last year they had quite a few hundred. Okay, hundred. So yeah. we're not we're not bumping up against the cap yet. You're you're okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're how good. do they you're how good. do they know what time you're gonna run, or how do they guess that? I think it's based on past experience, like your past um, race race finishes. It's based on your oh, ranking well. and the previous winning times. Okay. Oh. So if your ranking is, say, 70%, that ranking is, you know, your average of, uh, you know, your finishing time compared to the winner's finishing time in each race that you've done before. Uh, so they just, you know, estimate that it's going to be roughly the the same. So they take previous winning times for that race times your percentage. And oh, I had no idea. Way. Ultra sign up only has four of the 11 ultras I've run on it. Yeah. The problem. Yeah. They, they race results often misspell our name. 
because oh, it's, yeah, it's a difficult name. <laughs> well, with some of the ultras I run, I don't think submit to ultra sign up because they're so small. Howl at the Moon doesn't submit to it, or do they? They do. Okay, whatever. Yeah, so when they have the wrong name for you, you have to go and find the result, and then uh, there's a process where you can claim it and have it added to your section. That doesn't sound like something I'm going to take the time to do. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I will hopefully take the time to follow your shining example, Christina, and <laughs> register. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to be the only one out there. <laughs> and we should note that uh, Across the Years is um, is still organized by the same people who do Havelina 100. Yeah, and that gives me hope oh. because, I mean, man, I can't say enough good about that organization. They're great. Um, they are super well organized. I would, I would, I would run another race that they do <laughs> and they had good food they had great food yeah vegan french toast yeah. i have never had in my life but i ate some at 3 30 in the morning <laughs> well just by mentioning that food you made me so hungry like that sounds so good <laughs> well i guess we better uh call it a day then and you can yeah. go make some french toast <laughs> i think yeah. i will awesome <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much. Thank you to our special guest, Rob, for joining us today. Thank you very much for inviting me. And congratulations to both of you. Oh, thank you so much. And so uh, we'll see you next time on uh, Ultra Ordinary Running Podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.